You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you enjoyed the Christmas holiday. I know that I did, but there is a lot, and I mean a lot, to catch up on when it comes to BYU sports. Took some much-needed time away to spend with family for the holiday, but back at it today on the podcast. Going to talk about what I learned of re-watching BYU absolutely obliterate UCF in the Boca Raton Bowl, my quote-unquote film study. I'll pass along some of my thoughts there. Also need to talk about the fact that there are postseason awards and other things going on that involve BYU players and coaches, Kalani Sitake and Zach Wilson among those. And also the tragic passing of a rival, but a player that I think all BYU fans can get behind. We'll talk about the tragic passing of Ty Jordan, the star Utah running back, a little bit on today's podcast as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at betonline.ag as well as our good friends at Built Bar. We'll tell you about both of those companies here in just a little bit. All right, without further ado, let's break into it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for December 28th, 2020. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Well, I hope you all are enjoying some much-needed downtime. I know that I did. I know that after the bowl on Tuesday night, Sean Walker and I recorded a podcast from the stadium there, FAU Stadium, in Boca Raton. I traveled home on Wednesday and decided, you know what, I need some downtime. I spent the time with my wife and kids and some family and I enjoyed my Christmas holiday. I can express that 100% had a great time with my family, had a great long weekend, and I hope you all did the same. That did not mean that the BYU News didn't roll in and I felt like, man, maybe I should do a podcast, but you know what? There are times that it's more important to be with your family, and I can't thank you guys enough for letting me take that time. I know many of you missed this podcast. I had a few of you reach out and say, hey, Jake, when's the next podcast coming out? And I said Monday. I said I was going to hold off until Monday to talk about everything that I had learned uh, since the 23rd. But you know what? I'm privileged. I am truly privileged to do what I do. I have an opportunity to talk BYU sports with you guys. And I met a number of BYU fans who listen to the podcast and then some who may start listening to the podcast during my travels to and from Boca Raton last week. So those of you I interacted with on the road, huge thank you for taking the time. And it was a privilege to be out covering the game and seeing all those BYU fans who did make the trip to watch their Cougars play in action. So today's show, we're going to talk a lot about the news that has happened over the past week or so. It's not necessarily been a full week, but there's plenty of news to talk about. And let's start off with this. Congratulations to Zach Wilson, a Heisman Trophy finalist, the first BYU player to finish in the top 10 in the Heisman Trophy voting since 1991 when Ty Detmer attempted to win his second straight Heisman Trophy. That is an impressive, an impressive accomplishment that Zach Wilson achieved being named in the top 10. 
I'm of the opinion that he probably should have been top five, but that's my personal opinion. And I think that it goes to show that the power five really does kind of uh, run everything when it comes to this sport. Should the G5 split away and create their own division? There's that argument to be had. And where would BYU fit in that circumstance? I don't know. But he is the first BYU player to finish in the top 10 in Heisman Trophy voting since Ty Detmer in 1991. And that is just absolutely incredible to see him listed as a Heisman Trophy finalist. He will not be part of the Heisman Trophy award ceremony. They only have four players uh, being uh invited to that. It's going to be held virtually. So you will not see Zach Wilson featured on the Heisman Trophy, the presentation broadcast. But what Zach Wilson has accomplished cannot be taken away from him. He has set numerous records and BYU Whenever Zach announces, and I'm expecting at some point this week, he will formally announce that he is foregoing the remainder of his eligibility as a BYU football player and entering the 2021 NFL Draft. It could happen as soon as today. Maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, the news is already out there. But it's a mere formality at this point on everything that I've heard that Zach Wilson will declare for the NFL Draft. To go out and have a 425-yard passing performance, five-touchdown outing in your final game in a BYU uniform in which you set multiple single season as well as single game records, that's a way to go out. That is an absolute stellar way to go out. And I think the cherry on top is to see Zach Wilson finishing eighth in the Heisman Trophy balloting. I thought he was a top five finalist. Who knows if they win that game against Coastal Carolina, how high Zach might have flown in terms of his Heisman Trophy candidacy. But to be the first BYU team to have a one-loss season since 1996, that's an accomplishment. 24 years in the making. What Zach Wilson has done will leave an impact on BYU football, despite having really only one major season, but his impact on the university will not be soon forgotten. His head coach, Kalani Sitake, has been named as a George Munger finalist. It's one of the coaching award that goes out during the season for the best coaches, best head coaches in the sport. Uh, Jeff Grimes, his offensive coordinator, is a Broyles Award finalist. There are a lot of awards that BYU players and coaches are up for this season, and they deserve every single one of those honors. I, I truly believe that. I don't care that 2020 has been a messed up season and some teams played as little as five or six games while BYU played 12. You know what? BYU was one of the few teams that was willing to play when all the chips were going against them, when it seemed like nothing was going to work out. They put a schedule together on the fly, and they reeled off an 11-1 season and came about a yard, yard and a half short of having that magical 12-0 year that maybe uh, finishes up in a New Year's Six Bowl game. There will be things that are debated with regards to the Coastal Carolina game, but I think BYU has earned the respect of the nation at large and has catapulted themselves back into the national consciousness. And a lot of it comes on the shoulders and the arm of Zach Wilson. I cannot say thank you enough to that young man. He took a chance on BYU when he easily could have said, you know what, you guys are too late. I don't I don't think that you guys are worth my time. I'm going to go to Boise State or one of these other Power 5 programs and give them a shot. He came to BYU when they were at their lowest they had been in at least 10 years, if not longer than that. 
everything was going against the Cougars after that 2017 season. And Zach Wilson signing with BYU, I think we looked at as one of the turning points and maybe the turning point for BYU football, especially under Kalani Satake's direction as head coach. His signing changed the trajectory of this program and put it on a path that is not seen for some time now. So congratulations and a big thank you from me to Zach Wilson for him being willing to take on the responsibility, the challenge of coming to BYU, a university that is rich with quarterback legacy and tradition. And you know what? He left an impact. And in my opinion, and we'll, we'll debate this at some point, on where Zach Wilson falls in the ultimate top tier, etc., of BYU quarterbacks. But for my money, I'm going to have a hard time leaving Zach Wilson outside the top five of the greatest quarterbacks in BYU history. I'm going to do some more research on that. We'll talk about that topic more in depth in the future. But if you guys have thoughts on that, feel free to weigh in. Let me know your guys' thoughts because I want to hear from you guys on what you see and what you have seen from Zach Wilson and where you think he compares to the other greats in BYU football history. All right, coming up here in just a moment, I want to talk a little bit more about that Boca Raton Bowl. I rewatched the game actually twice now, uh, trying to learn from it, seeing things on film after seeing it in person. We'll talk about what I took away from that game here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online, a brand new sponsor with us here on the podcast, but cannot thank them enough. Bet Online is a fantastic partner, and if you're new to the betting game, you've always been interested in sports gambling, you want to get in and try it out, betonline.ag is the best place to do it. There's one place that we trust and one place that we do our business with the Locked On Cougars podcast, and that is betonline.ag. You can go to betonline.ag right now, sign up for a free account, and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On. that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus after you make your first deposit. It's their way of thanking you for checking out what they've got going. No matter what you're trying to do, prop bets, you're an in-game better, they've got it all for you at betonline.ag. I'm telling you what, betonline.ag AG is the best option for you and use that promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. As I mentioned in the open of today's podcast, I spent a lot of time hanging out with my family, etc., but that did not mean that it had BYU far from my mind. I actually rewatched the Boca Raton Bowl twice in its entirety, doing my film review during the past few days, and I have to say, rewatching the game and watching BYU's dominance two more times after seeing it in person, I still learned a lot. I can tell you this much. BYU's offensive line had one of their finest outings as a unit that I have seen, especially considering they had to replace one, two, and three regular starters in the lineup. Uh, James Ampey was not available in the game. He was out, so Joe Tukuafu came in and got dinged up in this game. Connor Pay, you know what? No problem. Enters the third string center, gets the job done. It might have been BYU, one of their best linemen on the night. Chandon Herring filling in for Clark. Mark Barrington, who had been injured from the Coastal Carolina game and was out for the season, he fills in just fine at left guard and had one of his finest games at that position. At right guard, Tristan Hodge gets away and has a guy roll up behind him. And thankfully, according to his father, it's a grade 2 MCL sprain, which is much less, uh, what what we'd say, uh, 
feared, I guess, much less damage than originally anticipated when he went down with that injury. Well, you know what? All of a sudden, Kiefer Longson comes in, and BYU didn't miss a beat. Blake Freeland and Harris Lachance rotated at right tackle in this game, but you know what? BYU's offensive line was absolutely marvelous in this game. They're opening monster holes from the get-go, and it continued all night long, and BYU didn't pull off the gas until, what, the final two minutes of this game when they got inside the five there and Klein Satake finally said, you know what? We're going to take a knee here and win this game 49-23. to That was as dominant an offensive line showing as I have seen from BYU since maybe the Navy opener. They've had some big nights. There's no doubt about it. But what BYU did in this game against UCF was an absolute master class in the offensive line working together. And the crazy thing about it was is BYU's two offensive line coaches, speaking of Eric Mateos and Jeff Grimes, were out due to COVID restrictions. I'm not revealing any news that's not out there, folks, by saying that. Uh, Eric Mateos acknowledged as such on Twitter. I can tell you this much. Jeff Grimes, if you needed to confirm to you, he was also out due to COVID-19 issues. Whether that is they tested positive or they were quarantined for contact tracing purposes, that part I do not know. But both of them were not in Boca Raton for this game. And to see the offensive line do what it did without their two leaders on the sideline, Man, was that impressive. Other guys that stood out to me on film after rewatching it. You got to tip your captain, Zach Wilson. Absolutely legendary performance in what is expected to be his final performance as a Cougar. Good to see him out there having a big game. I also was really impressed with Tyler Algier. This is a young man who has had a lot of carries and a lot of hits put on him this year, but he looked about as good as I have seen him in this game. That Sitting out that game against San Diego State, I think maybe did him some good. He came in extremely fresh and was just a terror for UCF's offense all night long. Uh, the legend of Isaac Rex only continues to grow. Seeing him catch two more touchdown passes, finishing it with 12 touchdown passes, the most since I believe Johnny Harleen in 2006, maybe 2007, somewhere in there. Just an absolutely legendary performance from that young man. And we may be seeing him jumping to the NFL before too long. Of course, he is a true freshman. You do need to be three years removed from high school. So technically, he could declare this year if he wanted to. I expect he'll see him for at least another year in a BYU uniform before he makes that jump. On the defensive side of the ball, a couple things that stood out to me in this game were that BYU is going to have some absolute big decisions to make when it comes to their linebacking core next year. I liked how BYU really did hockey line shift changes, bringing 11 guys on and 11 guys off to make sure guys stayed fresh. But the linebacking core for BYU in this game was great to see them being able to just really continue to play no matter who was on the field with one another. I do need to tip my cap to Isaiah Kafusi. That was a young man who played through an injury that would have ended a lesser player's season. And it's a hip flexor injury that... I'm not sure how he was moving as well as he was in that game, but it was good to see him go out in what I think is going to be his final game in a BYU uniform and have a great performance. Max Tooley was really good. Drew Jensen had his moments. Keenan Peely had his moments. Peyton Wilgar continues to be an absolute stud. I'll tell you what, the linebacking position for BYU is in very good hands for at least the next year or so as these players continue to grow. Could some of them turn pro early? I don't know the question, the answer to that question. A guy like Peyton Wilgar, etc. But I'll tell you what the the 
playing time for the linebacking core at BYU is going to be at a premium going into 2021 and beyond. And I was really impressed with what I saw from them. I also liked what I saw from the cornerbacks for BYU. Chris Wilcox is not available in this game, but guys like D'Angelo Mandel stepped up, uh, Keenan Ellis. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Micah Harper. He nearly had that interception on the very first play from scrimmage for UCF. Unfortunately, that ball bobbled as he hit the ground or else he might have had that interception. It was good to see the young cornerbacks having a good game against what has been and what was one of the top passing offenses in college football. I don't know what was up with Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for UCF. He just looked to touch off the entire game. I know they didn't have their top wide receiver in this game, but even then, UCF has been putting up monster numbers in the passing game, and that's a credit to what BYU did on defense. There were times they had the drop eight scheme. They would bring up guys and look like they were going to blitz. They did bring the pressure every so often. The big key to BYU's success in this game was the fact that the defensive line for BYU, whether it was a three or a four-man rush, was able to get pressure on Dylan Gabriel and make him uncomfortable. This was not the traditional BYU drop eight scheme that makes you want to tear your hair out because the quarterback sits back there for seven and eight seconds, it seems like, and just is able to survey, drink some iced tea, and then make a pass. That's not what it was like for UCF in this game. That's a credit to the defensive line. Guys like Kyrus Tonga, Zach Daw, Brackenell Bakri, Alden Tofa, Uriah Leatawa. Uh, I'm missing guys. Caden Hawes. I know I'm missing many names on that defensive line, but they made life miserable for UCF's offensive line and made Dylan Gabriel's life difficult because he was seemingly jumpy all night long, sailing passes, missing guys on crossing routes. It was good to see BYU's defense have what I thought what might have been their finest defensive outing of the season. I know metrics-wise may not measure up considering they gave up 23 points, etc., but what I saw from BYU in that game leads me to believe that BYU finally has some answers and has some different looks on defense that they can use against quarterbacks that should be able to replicate itself in future seasons. I'm not going to go out and say that Elisa Tuiaki has absolutely mastered BYU's defense and they have a perfect defense now. I don't think it was perfect by any means, but overall this year, BYU's defense took a step forward, and the hope is if they can find some guys to reload on that defensive line, as well as the safety positions for BYU, that going into 2021, they can have a similar type performance, if not better, on the defense. The linebacking core is going to be absolutely ferocious for BYU. The matter is, is getting guys on that defensive line that can keep those linebackers clean and allow them to make plays. BYU's cornerbacks appear to be in good hands. If they have some safeties that can come in and really stabilize the back end of that defense, I'm telling you what, I like the pieces that are around on BYU's defense. It's just a matter of getting them all into place once again and having those chips come together, having those pieces come together where they can go out against better competition. Let's be clear in 2021 with a bunch of Power 5 teams on that schedule. But there are pieces there that I think BYU can replicate this defensive effort from this season. I know many of you are probably sitting there, well, it couldn't be worse, Jake. I get that, but I do think what they showed is replicable on the field, and those are some of my takeaways from this game. 
really impressed with what I saw from BYU on film. I thought it was the perfect, I guess we'll say closing chapter on the 2020 campaign for the BYU football program. I'm already eager to see this team strap it up and get ready for the 2021 season. Here's hoping the spring ball is here before too long. We're able to cover that. We have a relatively normal off season. And then all of a sudden we're back here end of August in 2021 and getting ready for what we hope is a normal football season with fans in the stands and the like. But nonetheless, good to see BYU have one of their finest outings of the season in their final game, finishing 11-1 and and what I think will be a top 15 team at the end of the year when the final rankings come out. And I think that's a well-deserved honor for BYU as they close out what has been a magnificent, awesome, absolutely just impressive season overall. Can't thank the BYU football program enough for making this season as memorable as any that I have covered in my professional career. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about a rival. The University of Utah lost one of their own, but you know what? The impact was felt wide and far, and it was not missing at BYU as well. We'll talk about the loss of Ty Jordan, the tragic loss of that young man's life. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Today's show, though, is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar. I love this company, and I can't recommend them enough. The Built brand of companies is an impressive company. They have built up multiple different brands. We talk about Built Go every so often here on the podcast, but there are so many different things out there with the Built brand of companies. But Built Bars are their original. They're their pride and joy. 20 unique flavors, and they are trying to help you guys be the best you that you can be. I know 2021 is upon us. We are going to have New Year's at the end of this week, and many of you have those New Year's resolutions. Probably lose some weight. Get into the gym more often. Get into better shape. Well, Built Bar can be a perfect supplement for you guys. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They legitimately taste like a candy bar. You will never crave a protein bar like you will crave a, a Built Bar. I mean it. I love these Built Bars. They've been a fantastic addition to my diet in 2020, and I'm not stopping in, in 2021. I'll tell you that much. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Save yourself 20% on your next order. That's once again, use the promo code locked on at builtbar.com l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n get 20 percent off your next order and enjoy the best tasting protein bars on the market we don't talk a lot of university of utah on this podcast and for good reason obviously the holy war rivalry is real and exists in every facet of life it feels like in the state of utah and BYU and Utah fans don't get along and agree on many things, but tragedy struck over the weekend. Utah freshman Ty Jordan died of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound, an accidental gunshot wound, let's be clear about that, uh, in Denton, Texas, at Christmas evening. Just an absolute tragedy for any of you who woke up Saturday morning like myself, opened up the Twitter app and started seeing the outpouring of the posts, the love, the reflections on the life and legacy of a young man who just days before had been named Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, was second team all Pac-12 after having just an absolutely stellar debut season for Utah in five games, tallying almost 600 rushing yards and six touchdowns to see his life cut short as seemingly as he was about to take off and ascend to great heights man did it did it cut deep and like i said many of you listening to this don't want anything to do with utah but i do have to give all of you credit on social media because 
there are things that transcend the rivalry. And losing a young man, the status, the caliber of Ty Jordan, that transcends rivalry. That transcends everything. We're all human beings. We're all team human here. And to lose a young man at the age of 19 to see his life snuffed out right when it looked like he was on just what was a rocket ship to the top, it gutted me, plain and simple. It absolutely gutted me to think about that young man losing his life. And I, I just want to take a minute and thank all of you that I saw on social media. I didn't see any BYU fans, and I hope there are none out there who did this, who took pot shots or took a moment to take a to take a victory lap or something about the University of Utah when it came to BYU and this rivalry. A person losing their life is no reason to celebrate your rival's pain. I can tell you that much. And I thank BYU fans. I thank all of you listening to this podcast, and I hope you all have the same thought that I have. And just thank you guys for being a little more sensitive to everything going on with the Utah football program. This is a death. This is a tragedy that is going to hang over that program for some time. And it may be something that the program ultimately never recovers from, sadly. I'm not going to try and go out there and sound all philosophical about it because I don't have the right words to encapsulate what the loss of Ty Jordan will mean for the University of Utah, but I give credit to the coaches, the players, the fans, all associated with BYU and those in the greater sports world as a whole for the outpouring of love, their concern, their care for the University of Utah and their football program during this time. It's just, it's unimaginable to see what Ty Jordan was doing, what he had done, and where it seemed like he was headed, and to see it just snuffed out just like that. It's absolutely heart-wrenching, and my thoughts and prayers go out to the Jordan family. This is a young man who came overcame a lot even to get to the University of Utah. He lost his mother earlier on this year due to stage 4 cancer. He really had taken it upon himself to dedicate what he was doing on the field to the life and legacy of his mother, and now he leaves a life and legacy that I don't think will be soon forgotten at Utah, and I hope BYU fans, you guys can reflect on and think about the impact that this young man had on the sports community in the state of Utah as a whole, and just on the sport as a as a, as a big whole, I guess, in its own right. <laughs> It, it, it's sad. It, it's one of those things that you'd never want to do as a sportscaster, a sports media professional like myself. Even as a fan, you don't ever want to deal with death. Death is one of those things that it just it leaves a hole in your stomach. It leaves a pit in your stomach that there's no uh, real way to fill that hole. And... <sighs> I don't know. I don't have the adequate words to describe just the the heart-wrenching nature of learning that news. It was just one of those things that absolutely gutted me on Saturday. So I'm going to close out today's podcast with a poem, and I have to give credit uh, to Philip Larkin, but it comes via another podcast that I am very fond of. It's called the Men in Blazers podcast. It's a soccer podcast, and Raj and Davo do a great job covering soccer, but there's a poem that Raj, one of the co-hosts of that podcast, is very fond of quoting, especially in times of mourning, etc., and I think it fits perfectly in the 
this circumstance. It's called The Mower by Philip Larkin. I'm not going to read the entire poem. You can go look it up. It's The, the Mower Like Lawn Mower is the name of it. But I'm going to read the last stanza of it. And it says that uh, the first day after a death, the new absence is always the same. We should be careful of each other. We should be kind while there is still time. We need to be kind, folks. Hopefully, the death, the life, the legacy that Ty Jordan leaves behind with the University of Utah can affect you and affect the world for the positive. 2020 has been a rough year, and this just seems to just be another one of the punches that we have all absorbed. And once again, my thoughts, my prayer, my condolences, my thoughts, my prayers, and my condolences, excuse me, go out to the Jordan family at this tough time. It has been an unimaginable tragedy to lose that young man, speaking of Ty Jordan, and I hope that they can find some peace amidst all the chaos that this has caused in their lives. It's just one of those things you never, ever anticipate you don't plan for it. There's just no way to plan for it. So I hope you all have a great Tuesday. Hug your loved ones. Let them know that you love them. Even if you think you're doing it enough, you're not doing it enough. We can do it more often. And I hope, like I said, that the life and legacy that Ty Jordan leaves behind can leave can lead all of us to have a more positive outlook and just kind of a more I don't know how to say it, uh, just kind of a more, uh, the words escape me, and I apologize, guys, I just, I'm not good with this stuff, I, I, I'll i be honest with you, I'm just not good with death, it's something I'm not comfortable with, I don't think anybody's comfortable with it, but in this instance, let's all try to be a little bit better, that's where, there we go, that's what we'll end on, let's all be a little bit better, and let's try and emulate the joy, if you watch Ty Jordan play, he played football with a smile on his face, he loved what he did, let us all love what we are doing each and every day, just a little bit more, have a great rest of your day, a big thank you for joining us on this podcast, this has been the Locked on Cougars podcast for December 28th, 2020, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.